Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today I'm with Mark. How's it going, Mark? Awesome, thanks. Wow, that's like the most <laughs> energetic welcome you've ever done on that podcast. People just woke up. Today we're talking about free products and paid products, like when to do which, when to charge for information, what well, makes sense to give free stuff away. Usually free stuff that's a little bit more than a blog post and so on. And you know, maybe sometimes when it makes sense to produce these things and post them on your blog, essentially, which is what these all these ultimate guys you see everywhere. Like they're essentially free products, I would consider, right? Mm-hmm. Just post it on the blog. So before we get started, I'm just gonna give you some examples. And one of the first examples we're gonna take is actually about this podcast, right? So Atari Hacker, the podcast on iTunes is around 300 reviews right now uh, worldwide, not just in the U.S. I think in the U.S. it's like 130 or something like this. It's pretty high. To give you an idea of you know how this compares to other podcasts out there, uh, that's two times more than Niche Pursuits. That's about the same as Empire Flippers. And by the way, these guys started literally like three or four years before us, you know? That's around 40% of what someone a bit bigger like Amy Porterfield has. We're still very, very far away from Pat Flynn, but hey, we're coming. <laughs> but just, just to give an idea of how that compares to, to the rest, right? And what I'm really proud of is we got to that result, well, because you guys listened, so thank you for everyone that reviewed us. And if you haven't, you definitely should. <laughs> that We did that with no ad spending, right? It's one thing I talked about with like Noah Kagan, who also launched his podcast recently. Uh, he has a lot of reviews, but he spent like a decent five-figure amount in Facebook ads to get people to his iTunes page, essentially. We spent zero. And the only thing we did is we took one of the first webinars I did for Authority Hacker Pro, if not the first one, where I talked about like a system to use email marketing and affiliate to go from zero to $1,000 per month with affiliate revenue and especially showing a lot of the ClickBank stuff we do. And I packaged it as essentially a gated page. So people like we have to give you access to people with our membership program, the same thing where we will stage pro, but they can only access that webinar if they review the podcast and send us a screenshot of their review. And even if they send a, a one star review, we're still like, it's, we're not incentivizing people to give good reviews. We're just incentivizing people to give the review they want and say what they think about the podcast. So I think that's a pretty okay way of doing it. And the only way we've advertised that offer is we've put a call to action on the show notes and we the jingle at the end of the podcast says, hey, if you want a free bonus, review us on iTunes and go on atoriahacker.com slash bonus to send your screenshot, essentially. And This jingle, by the way, the intro as well, it was off of Fiverr, so you don't have yes. to pay a ton for these kind of things either. So you can see we're really high production value here. Just doing that gave us really quite good results in the sense that to be honest, I could have posted that that webinar on the blog if if we really wanted. I essentially give it away as as something free. But what we did is we gated it behind some action and you know packaged it as its own little training course, which it is. So over an hour of me showing a bunch of stuff of what we do, etc. And those who want to dig deeper, it's it's quite interesting for them. But the power of incentive and exclusivity gave us the ability to 
you know, gain a lot of traction on iTunes because of that little mechanic. And I'm pretty sure Noka is going to copy that eventually as well. We talked about this. He should anyway. So another thing that I'm going to talk about, which is also Atari Hacker, but then we'll jump on other sites examples, is when we started Atari Hacker as a way to engage people that discovered us. And we didn't have a lot of traffic back then. Instead of offering the classic PDF most people would offer, we actually built a mini course. We built a 10 videos mini course showing a bunch of tips and tricks on how we do things, a little bit of keyword research, a little bit of link building, etc. And what that did is that built extremely high engagement with early readers. And I know a lot of these people are still around. And I would say it's probably one of the best things we did to stop because the market in which we're in is extremely crowded with people that tend to be quite vague. So being able to be quite specific and showing real life stuff, you know, in the style of which I do things on HProna, which is actually doing the stuff on my screen, not hiding behind a PowerPoint and commenting and showing tips and tricks as I do it works really well. So, uh, you know, as a way to stand out in a crowded market, that was a cool one. Another example would be an example I would say is not necessarily the way I would have done things. I I love what they do, but it's I don't think it's the best way for them to do things. And we're going to talk about why in a second. But it's a site I discovered recently called MeasuresCool.com. And essentially, they are a site that specializes in teaching you analytics, something that which really bad at, but I'm learning right now, and that's how I found it. And they offer two free courses. But these courses are like, one is seven videos on the Google Tag Manager, which is all right. But there's a second free course that's 39 videos on setting up Google Analytics. And there is like, you're going to tell me it's amazing. For the user, it's amazing. As a reader, it's like, I'm, I'm super happy I have that. But how, how ten, much would you have paid for that course? I would have paid $200 easily. Okay. Like two, 300 bucks easily, you know? And it's like it's it's so much easier to follow than the Google videos and so on. So I would definitely have paid that. But more importantly, that whole thing is available on YouTube, right? So I don't even need to give them my email. They don't know who I am. I mean, I can subscribe if I want and it gives them views on YouTube. But, you know, views on YouTube are worth nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like to make a, it's like $1.5 maximum per thousand views you can make. And in online marketing, you're not going to be PewDiePie, you know? So you're not going to make millions. Uh, it's definitely not the way to go, especially in any niche market. Unless you're in like a really broad market, it's it's probably not the way to go to try to make money from YouTube. But most importantly, it's so deep and really well broken down in a way I would... I guarantee you there are... Most courses on Udemy is, are probably not as good as this one. There's no reason for me to pay for anything. There's no value trade here. He gets nothing for doing this other than getting a little bit of... Uh, you know, getting me as like a, a regular reader, but he could have gotten that for a lot less. You know, it's like overpaying for something. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, you know, a 39 video course, and by the way, all the videos are not out there, but the outline says it's going to be 39. 39 video course, like imagine how many people go to video 39, right? Very few. And that means that if he ever offers some kind of paid product, I'll be like, well, I, I didn't even have time to finish the free one. So why would I ever buy the paid one, essentially. So I think 
And additionally, because it's on YouTube format, by the way, it's on YouTube format or in the kind of membership where you need to sign up for, where you just get like nicer pages for the lessons, but not really much else. So there's not a lot of incentive to go through their membership. There is no way to kind of structure it. There's not even a page that I can like send to you, Mark. And I'm like, oh, check this out. I can check in share individual videos and so on. But unless you like sign up for the membership, essentially, there's also no opportunity for me to give them a backlink, for example. So overall, I feel like, this one's like the content is really good, but as we we'll say, it's all one-sided. It's all for the user and the guys at major school. Unless they want to sell consulting, they're not going to do super well, I think. And finally, a last example in another niche because I don't want to talk just about online marketing. We talked about this in our How We Make $2,500 Per Month with an Info Product podcast is the 10 Juicing Recipes ebook on health and mission. It's basically the opposite of Measure School. It's only 10 Juicing Recipes that you can opt in and download for on health and mission. It puts you in the sales funnel for the full product. And I like it because it's short, actionable, and there's a clear promise. Like, drink these juices and it's going to improve various parts of your health. Like, this juice does this, this juice does that, etc. And it's worth pointing out with the, these recipes, we didn't just make them up or whatever we already had these like on our site or in our yeah. other product so we essentially repurposed content and packaged it as a a product yeah so essentially the, these are examples of things we're talking about in this podcast and the question is when should you do these three things and when should you charge for it right which there's no clear-cut answer we're just going to try to have me debates and stuff and i think one thing i want to talk about on free products especially is and I'm going to ask you, when should you think you should make it in a format where it's kind of gated? So like a PDF or like a membership area or some kind of kind of opt-in you have to put versus posting it on your blog, thinking that when you gate it, you tend to get the people's contact details and you tend to be able to get back to them and market to them versus on your blog where it's like a lot more shareable. So you're likely to get a bunch of traffic. And also, it gets you links, which hopefully increases your, your SEO traffic in the long run and also increases your traffic. Like, which do you prefer and why? I mean, I think you need both. I think if you were to start a new blog today, one of the first things in your mind would be, uh, okay, I need what's called like often uh, like a lead magnet, some kind of product or something you're giving away in order to collect their email address usually. You kind of want that, I guess, once you have the traffic. Actually, that's a good point. It's probably not so important to have that in exactly. the early stages. Yeah. And there's also the the argument as like the classic way of getting in touch with people is email, right? Mm-hmm. But nowadays, there's other ways that get just as much traffic. I mean, push notifications, we talked about that. People usually sign up without an incentive. And, you know, like now we've been using them well, for the a while. the incentive in that case is your new blog, blog post, yes. which, exactly. you know... And if they're great, people want to get them, you know? Yeah. So there's one thing. And the second thing is retargeting. Retargeting, like, basically at this point for us, a click from retargeting costs us around the same as a click from email marketing costs. Because, you know, you have to pay for these tools and you pay per subscriber, right? Mm -hmm. So as your email reaches more people, it costs you, you know, the cost per subscriber probably declines a little bit, but the overall budget increases, right? And overall, like when you do proper branding with like our branded images and stuff, we're able to get clicks from retargeting, like, you know, sometimes like a couple cents only per click. And that that's very comparable to the cost of paying for your email provider in terms of reaching people. So 
you could argue that if you post these things on your blog, people opt in on your retargeting list whether they choose it or not anyway. And you're able to market to them regardless of whether they opt in or not. Mm-hmm. And so I think that shifts the debate a little bit in the sense that collecting email is not the only way to get back in touch with people nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, what it comes down to really is the premise of giving value. So most people who are doing any kind of online marketing or service provider, SaaS, whatever, they want to sell something. That's why mm-hmm. That's why we do it. We're, we're not doing this free podcast because we just love doing podcasts on a Saturday. On Saturdays, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's fun and all. Like, it's, don't get me wrong. It's it's awesome. I, w- I would would not want to, like, uh, you know, have a nine-to-five job or anything. But it's a way of giving value for free so that mm-hmm. people like us get to know us, learn about us, learn about what we're teaching. And then hopefully a percentage of people who are listening eventually will buy one of our products and then that will make our business profitable. So it really comes down to like where you draw the line in, cause, I mean, we're using the term product here, but I mean, everything is essentially just content at the end of the mm-hmm. day. So whether it's a PDF or a series of videos or a blog post or a podcast or whatever else, it's all content. So the the word and the language we're using to say what's a product and what's not a product, it's kind of arbitrary in this context because there's, there's nothing like physically tangible. You can't pick up a podcast or touch it like you can with, you know, cell phone or something like that. Well, actually, that's that's a good question, but something I want to bring up later in the sense that actually free products make like free in-depth content, let's just call it that, makes a lot of sense for people who actually do sell tangible things. So, for example... A lot of software as a service companies now have a whole content division essentially building huge guides and trainings that a lot of people would pay for. But because their goal is to sell their software as a service or to sell their services in general, they are willing to put that together for free as a form of marketing. So companies like Leadpages do that. Ahrefs. Yeah, Ahrefs, not really. I mean, they, they put like big blog posts, but they don't have like a, a real training system, you know? Mm-hmm. But like lead pages, they literally have like a course on Facebook ads, a whole course, right? And all you have to do is opt in so they can invite you to their webinar and sell you lead pages, you know? Thrive Themes does that as well. They have something called Thrive University. And even people that build like people that build sites for you. So like I'm thinking of like human proof design. I know they have some kind of course they give to you with the purchase of a site. So it's like, it's kind of a free product. It's kind of a bonus, let's say. They give you some training essentially with building the site for you. So there's an argument in which that this is a strategy that is also, and it can work for e-commerce stores as well, right? Let's say you sell baby gear or whatever, then you could essentially build a guide for new parents, like a really nice video training mm-hmm. and invest a lot in that and essentially use that as a way, you know, then you choose. Do you put it for free on your site and get a lot of traffic that you can retarget with your products or do you want to get it behind an opt-in and then also have access to people's emails? But even if you sell physical products, that does work as well. Now, if it's your main business model, then the, the you know differentiating between free content and paid content is definitely a, a bigger challenge and that's actually the... Okay, I mean, just like to finish off my point there, what I was going to say is you can create, like, let's say you're creating X amount of content either way. Just the fact that you call it a product and you say get our course or get our ebook or whatever it is, that adds perceived value to the product inherently, which 
even if it was the same as you know having those recipes in the case of health and mission on our site or in an ebook just because they're in an ebook it's perceived to be more valuable because for some reason people think products are are more valuable so it's kind of like a m- bit of a mind trick as well you know it builds more commitment into it as well like you're willing to spend more time on something you put your email for than something that you just get as opening a, a url you know mm-hmm. and additionally it is even stronger when you pay for it and if you pay more money you also get more committed there's actually been a uh, a case study by like the Harvard Business School or something. I think I mentioned that before. <laughs> well, like the same advice was sold to companies for as consulting. One was sold for ten thousand dollars, and one was sold for like a million dollars. And the level of commitment from the company that paid a million dollars was like so much higher yeah. that their results were like way better, given the exact same information. So it just like gating stuff also builds commitment. It also means you lose a lot of people. But if people are not willing to give you their email address, they're probably not willing to buy. The question is, how much trust do you need to build to you know get that micro commitment of people giving their email address? That's when you question how good your free open content is. You know. Mm-hmm. So let's just jump onto like what things that you, you should do to when you should do for free, when you should charge essentially. And I think one first thing is whether it's free or paid, you should always get value. And value is not always equal to money, right? So in our case, for example, the iTunes review training, we give it away without people giving us money, but we do get value. We get people going and reviewing the podcast on iTunes, giving us more visibility and social proof essentially. It also yep. creates accounts on our, the creates them an account on our member platform. So it actually makes it easier for them to then buy other stuff. Yeah, it's like it's kind of a first step as well. In another thing I want to say is like value doesn't have to come now. And that's one thing that will probably confuse people in the sense that in crowded markets, you need to establish your knowledge and so on. Like, like what we're, try- we're trying to do with that podcast, essentially. And so, uh, you know, you're not paying to listen to that podcast or anything. There's not necessarily like, a, you don't necessarily give us a lot of value listening to that podcast. And in crowded markets... This podcast, you mean? Yeah, like or any podcast. Crowded markets, you do need to, to pay forward to establish yourself and overall take space in that market. And that means that, you know, by we're paying forward by giving a bunch of info and tips here, And hopefully, like, you know, as you say, the percentage of people will buy whatever we do, et cetera. And that's essentially your free content strategy. You pay forward. But you do, the way you get value is by having a strategy on monetizing after that. Oh, yeah. Another thing I wanted to say as well is sometimes the value you get from providing free stuff is not necessarily coming from the people you're helping, which is very confusing. But a very simple example is like, let's say we publish a big guide on how to cut carbs without being hungry on health ambition, right? So then we can email it to our list, we can you know, promote it, et cetera. And people do get value from uh, learning how to cut carbs, which you know, should help them lose weight. And that's great, right? But these people, they don't really give us anything if we publish it as a blog post. However, if we have other bloggers uh, link to that or share it, or you know, we have some kind of momentum going in terms of promotion, that's going to give us value in terms of like links and shares, et cetera, and overall reach. That it's not the people that we've helped that have actually pro- provided that. It's the people that helped the people we helped that, ha- got, that gave us the value. So sometimes the value doesn't necessarily come from the people that you know, you've act- you're actually helping. Another thing that I mentioned a little bit earlier as well is free content has short attention span. And I think that's one of the big mistakes that Measure School has done. 
even the like like 39 videos of like 10 to 15 minutes it's just too much. People are just not willing to go through that. It's like, you know, we live in a world of 140 characters, messages, and, and these essentially shape the politics of the world and so on. So really, people have very short attention spans. And so you need to go straight to the point. That's why the juicing ebook, for example, on health, I mentioned is so powerful. Because it's like, hey, drink these 10 recipes and you get this, 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 this. Boom, 10 pages, 10 recipes. Just do it. And instant value, instant gratification. That's the kind of stuff that you want to do with your free content. And the mistake people do by shortening free content, essentially, is that they, they tend to be like they, they cover basically the exact same stuff they have in their more longer version of things, but they cover it in a very vague way so they don't get into specifics. I actually disagree. I think, you know, the internet is full of rough content. I mean, go read any big site, like even Mashable and stuff, like it just doesn't get very specific and the, the, the internet is craving for specific content. So what you need to do instead of covering everything in a very vague way to make it shorter, you need to pick a few points of what you're doing and cover them in depth in your free content and really like give stuff that builds that trust so that you build that trust with a user that takes that micro commitment of opting in or just revisiting your website in general, even if they see an ad. It's- it's yep. also kind of a way to demonstrate what your paid products will be like if you're selling info products. So if you're releasing a free product and it's kind of vague or it doesn't actually solve the, the problem yeah. or it kind of half solve it and then you're like, but wait, there's more. You have to buy this $900 thing to do X or whatever. Then people can feel a little bit not ripped off because they haven't paid for anything, but it, it can feel a little bit like you're giving them the hard sell versus I think what you you're saying is the mentality behind free products is more like demonstrate how good our stuff can be and then let that actually do the selling for us. Yeah, just show one thing, right? So for example, you know, if I go back to this measure of school example because I'm like focusing on it so much right now, instead of like saying we're going to show you everything about Google Analytics, it can be like, "Hey, we're going to show you how to remove exactly the formula you need to use to remove all referral spam in your Google Analytics, which is a huge issue. Like, you know, all that traffic that comes in from fake websites that try to advertise to webmasters. One video on that, maybe one video, like a couple of videos on like tips and tricks, you know, and giving me something extremely actionable. I would probably be like, wow, okay, these guys are great. Oh, there's a $200 full analytics course with all their stuff. Let me go, Mark, like, let me buy it. I would probably go and do that rather than like, well, you gave me pretty much everything I needed. Thank you very much. But, uh, you know, there's, there's no need for me to, to pay you at this point. So that works really well. So if you give everything too much in specific, people don't pay you. If you give information, like everything, but vaguely, people don't trust you. So the best way is to take parts of what you cover in your paid stuff and cover it in depth. So that's what we're doing with the Authority Hacker blog, for example, right? We pick very, very specific topics and we just zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. And it doesn't give you the full picture of the whole system that we're using because, well, that's all for any authority side system. And that's what customers get. They get the, the A to Z plan to build their own authority site. And if we did the whole plan of everything, then a lot of people would just not become customers, would be less profitable. But if we stayed very vague, we'd be in the holes of online marketing blogs out there that you know, nobody reads anymore. So that is that is definitely a, a, a big balancing act. And I think that's that's actually leading very well into the the mini debate that comes next, which is like how I, to- I actually just want to say one thing on that. Like, yeah. you know, you, cause see, you said like, 
build the almost like build the paid version first then the free version like work backwards like that yeah if you don't have a firm idea of like what your product or what your like specific angle should be then i think that can be a bit a slower way of achieving that because if you don't nail it right and people aren't if you build a product that people don't actually want then Mm. you've kind of wasted a lot of time there so like a lot of the times rather than building products we've actually just built these like given essentially do that first and then like uh, tested several of them figured out what the right one would be and then gone ahead and did all the uh, product creation stuff it really depends on the angle of your site right so on, on a site like health ambition <clears throat> because it's so broad as a topic we can definitely like we have to test first because yeah. it's hard to tell what people want just because it's so vague etc and we have to cater to people with really really different profiles on a site like authority hacker with a narrow niche we know people want to build authority sites when yeah. they come here. That's the main reason to read this. I mean, I know a lot of people with agencies and stuff also read us, and you know, there's definitely varying business models. And, and recently, I've talked to e-commerce owners using our stuff with success, which I was like, oh, that's great. But anyway, it's just it really depends on how narrow or wide your site is. So if you if you have a very broad site, then you know you probably want to test with opt-ins first to test engagement on topics and then when you see high engagement or something then build a product if you have something narrow like i remember that uh, we had a member in hpro that had a site how to like on how to get ripped for skinny guys for example that's all he was writing about and so it's very easy to you know build a product right away you know Mm -hmm. that depends i guess but the, the debate i wanted to launch now is how do we differentiate between paid and free products how do we make people that paid feel like it was worth paying while at the same time making people that got the free stuff feel like it was a great experience do you want to say something about this or uh i mean the the truth is there's no right answer to this and it's gonna really depend on your industry your audience the specifics of your product some general ways to achieve this are give away more content in your courses so Authority Hacker Pro, for example, is like, what, like 200, 300 videos, something like that in there now. And you, you, at least I don't know anyone who would give away that amount of free content as a... I mean, some YouTubers probably would over time, you know? That's true, actually. Yeah, that's true. They're kind of monetized in different ways, you know, like Mm -hmm. through advertising and stuff. So, I mean, one option, as I said, give away more content in your paid courses than you do in your free products, rather. Uh Another way would be to give like better not I, I, I'm not quite sure how to phrase this but like the best kind of like secrets trips t- not trips was tricks tricks that's the word <laughs> yes thank you for correcting my English um, that's okay I, I was expecting people to like call us from age pro like asking for trips was the trip yeah. <laughs> the real kind of like golden nugget ideas which will or or tactics which will really make a huge 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 difference there's a few of those in authority hacker pro which we don't give out in our, our yeah our let's go on, actually the perceived value or the actual realized value through like an eight minute video can be massive so that kind of goes counter to what i was saying about giving more content away it's like i, I don't know what would you call that like your, your it's more impactful content, content. yeah that's, like it's, that's it's really like what's gonna like you know the the little things that make all the difference so like 
There's a few things, for example, in the email automations that we talk about in HPro. People are like, like you know, the smart way of like doing cart abandonment and stuff like that, that can make a lot of money. I mean, I mentioned it a little bit with the in the podcast with Noah Kagan, but like this one automation, for example, is like is a five-figure amount per year for us. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's literally something they can just copy paste. So, you know, it's you want this really high-impact stuff in there. I think I think also in terms of mediums and production value, it's quite important. In the sense that, like for us, we do mostly videos for paid stuff, and it's more like see us do it. It's kind of like you need to invent maybe a new format, you know? So we focus mostly on like see us do it for paid stuff, whereas we'll be more, a little bit more towards the like theory and taking maybe examples of sites that are not ours, et cetera, on the free content, you know? Mm-hmm. Or we'll just go on the podcast like we are now and, and you know, take a completely different approach to this. Where it's more of a... We're kind of riffing about it in a way. Well, it's it's kind of a way to like debate and, and open your mind and, and make you think. But, you know, you couldn't say that after this podcast, you can sit at your desk and just copy what we said, you know? Yeah. You can invent different formats on how you deliver value. I'm not saying this has no value. I'm just saying this is just a different way of opening your mind on, on what we do. And so... I think as well on that, like actionability is a is a thing. I think I just made up a new word there. But we actually like for all our content, we really try and make it as actionable as possible. I'd say the podcast, as you just mentioned, kind of less so. Blog posts, though, is they, they are yeah. more actionable than most, let's put it that way. But, but blog posts the, are not an A to Z system, you know? Exactly. Whereas the product like the authority site system you couldn't get any more A to Z in that. It's like, do this, do this, do this, do this, exactly. boom, you have an authority. Site. And same with the juicing product on health ambition, you know? It's like mm-hmm. people just follow, like there's a day schedule and they follow that and it's like there's a calendar, what they intuit, etc. Yep. People pay for the convenience of the format. Mm-hmm. SEO definitely pushes us to do that. It's more like, let's take a topic and say everything we can about that topic, you know? Our, our okay. first uh, juicing product, actually, it was it was actually just a, a bunch of blog posts which we had stuck yeah. together in an ebook. So like, and this was available for free on our site, even as we were selling it individually, but putting it all together and like collating it and presenting it in, in that way, in a more structured manner. Okay. There was a few extra paragraphs to join things up and whatnot, but that is just providing value as well. So, yeah. So I think we should just close on actually being actionable just to redeem ourselves on what we said earlier and just say the times when you do, you should do free stuff according to everything we talked about, and the times when you should probably charge for information. And the times when you should do free stuff is, one, to establish yourself in a market. So like we did with the beginning of Autoria Hacker, I've seen Shane Miller do that, I've seen Matthew Woodwells do that, I've seen a bunch of people do that. Basically, you're new in a crowded market with where it's hard to get visibility. You just create something that everyone else would charge for, and you give it for free. And that's a way for people to charge your stuff, etc. A little bit like Major School is trying to do, but I would not do it in that format because they're not necessarily getting a ton of subscribers because of their YouTube format. Second is engagement ramp up before selling an expensive item. So we do that when we launch H Pro. We also, I mean, we have a little bit of this content on like, you know, deeper content on the health emission email series as well when we sell the ebook which is not necessarily expensive but essentially the more 
expensive the end item you're selling, the, the higher production and value your free product needs to be. So that's the podcast series we do when we before we launch. That's also the, the, the mentality behind the Jeff Walker style launches, you know, with the three videos. And that's also the mentality behind most webinars. It's like just giving value, like creating a free training that people will feel great about and then buy. Another time when you need to do it for free, I think, is when your core offer is not information. So if you're selling software, if you're selling services, if you're selling physical products, uh, as I said, LeadPage and Thrive Teams do that, Homeproof, Humanproof Design does that. And also there is a bunch of like e-commerce stores, you know, producing these massive guys. And in that case, they usually, they probably just do it for free on their site with an opt-in for like a bonus. That's when common upgrades are really handy when you can create something that can be shared and also can collect emails. Another case is when you can trade for some user action. So that's what we do with the reviews on iTunes. And you had one, actually. You yeah, had one. I think there's like, <laughs> when there's like an education path required. So if you're operating in like a niche or a space that is can be quite technical or the, the general public might not you know understand particularly why they would need your, your product, then if your free product is a way of teaching them like why this is a thing. A good example of that is there's a company called Mixed In Key. They make software for musicians, mostly DJs, who, and their software identifies the music key which a track is is in. Now, a lot of people when they're starting out to DJ or whatever, they, they don't know that music key is a is a thing. So by having this free ebook, which is very very good, teaches you about like progression and all this kind of stuff in a mix they're actually educating people that oh you actually need to know what music key is and there's many ways but oh look we actually have software which will identify this for you so it's kind of like uh teaching them that they need to know something before you, actually you teach them, them about the, the problem then you sell them the solution yeah okay so let's jump on the times when you should charge and one of those is when the product requires a lot of attention and has a lot of complexity. That's the case with the free Google Analytics course, for example. That's why I think it should be charged. Just because 39 videos, if I give you 39 videos, I'm pretty sure you will not go through them, Mark. But unless you really care about the topic, all I'm saying is it's more likely. It's competing with all your free content and, and you haven't committed because it was given to you for free. So you need people to commit and, and money is a way for people to commit. So um, Another one is when you put high production value into your product. Also, although that could be argued, you know, you could create a high production value free product. But especially for the people that are listening to a podcast, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you don't have a limited budget, etc. So if you've put like a bunch of months of your time and spent money into having your drone fly over you when you're explaining something or whatever, whatever it is, use that production value as a, as a value added as an argument to sell it for money. When it's start to finish type systems, as we mentioned, and I think that's, you know, if you're creating an info product, that's what most of them should be these days. You know, it's like, that's what sells very well. Selling the, the solution and basically building the path people can follow. That's what works well. So when you have that, a lot of people are ready to pay for it. So it's a waste to give it for free. And if it has any kind of marginal cost to you, although that one could be argued for big software service companies or you know funded companies, but if you're going to be paying money for every user, obviously I'm not talking about how much money you pay for them opting in into your email list or something. But like if if there's a cost superior to a dollar per user, maybe like that's when you should consider charging, even if it's like a few dollars or something. So basically, to conclude, I think also figuring out the free product stuff especially to establish yourself, is a great step for people to start in info products, right? 
I think it's a way for people to experiment and organize themselves in content that's definitely more complex than creating a single blog post. And if you're ever going to get into that info product type thing, that's a great way to get started. At the same time, use it to establish yourself. So I think if you're going to get a free product, I would consider creating something that's more about tips and tricks. And if you're doing videos, maybe like five to 10 videos maximum, something that feels like it is meat, but it's not something that's going to take you forever. And videos that are five minutes, not 15. If it's an ebook, maybe like 15, 20 pages is enough usually. Same thing, try to focus on tips and tricks. Don't give the whole system away. The whole system's for your paid product when you figure it out. Unless you are a software as a service company or an e-commerce company selling something else than information. So that's basically, I think, all we had to say about free products and paid product, when to do which, etc. Any final words of wisdom, Mark? Not really, no. Okay. <laughs> well, Saturday afternoon is, is not the time when we're the most inspired, I guess. But thanks for listening. But and... before we go, oh. we still have to do the Ask Us Anything question. Oh, so. let's do it. Yep. So if you guys want to ask us any questions, we answer one per show. And sometimes we do a whole show on... Uh, Answering, answering them, ask us about anything, literally. Someone was really mad on Facebook. We didn't answer their question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if you want to ask us a question, go to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask. You can type a question in or send us a voice message. I promise we will look into how to actually play <laughs> those out. I know we keep forgetting. We have a few lined up. But this one today comes from Dan Morgan. And uh, he asked an interesting question, actually. He, he says, his website is targeting the U.S., but he's from the UK and will him being in the UK negatively affect his site's US organic rankings? He set his international targeting to the US. I presume that means in uh, Webmaster Tools, but is there anything else I can do? Not really. I mean, you're allowed to live in the UK and target a US site. It's, so, I mean, like, is uh, maybe it's like something to do with like where the site's hosted or the. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, okay, the IP of the site used to be a factor, right? And it used to be a, a tiny factor. But the thing is, that was before we entered the CDN world, right? Yeah. CDN being content delivery network, essentially a system that caches your files in multiple servers around the world. So there's a lower physical distance between the visitor and the server that serves the files of your site. And that makes your site load faster, essentially. It also takes off load from the main server. And so you know, now we live in a world where services like Cloudflare are free and serve your website from a local server anyway. So the IP question on hosting is really not very relevant anymore, provided you have a CDN, which you can get for free, so there's no reason not to use one. The technical people are going to argue Cloudflare is not real CDN, etc., but it does serve a bunch of your files locally. So it does serve that purpose. And it's like, I'm going to talk to a great hats out there as well. You know, all the people that were like buying a gazillion hosting IPs to host their PBNs and stuff, it makes no sense as well because in the PB, in the CDN world, like IP is just anonymized or different depending on where you're loading your site anyway. So overall, site IP location, file location is not that important anymore in terms of localization as well. It's important that he mentioned that He's set it in a Google Webmasters tool, which is good. If you're targeting the US, that's how you should do it. Other than that, you can. there's a tag that, that's called the hreflang tag that allows you to specify which 
language the SAE is in, but like the language is also like British English versus US English, etc. And so you could put that tag on your site to reinforce the fact that it's like US English, it's made for the US, etc., etc. Other than that, there's really I mean, not. That's a lot. probably like quite a small difference, though. That's gonna yeah. Be, yeah. <laughs> like uh, it's it's unlikely it's going to affect your rankings at all. Like it's it's really like the points one percentage optimization, you know. I guess uh, obviously like the TLD as well. Like if you have a .co.uk, then it's probably yeah going to impact things. But uh, I'm pr- most people who are probably listening to this have .coms. I would, I would even .net .org whatever. Yeah. Like you know .co works as well. Like, there's a lot of generic TLDs that work in basically every country these days. So, I mean, overall, it's it's really not a big concern, and I That's have a never heard of a question for you. I, I just came into my mind. So, you know Genius, the Amazon plugin? Yes. Um, their URL is like geni.us. Yes. I presume because genius.com wasn't available. Do you think that hurts their rankings in the UK? I think it's like the .u... I'm not sure. So, like, I'm going to talk without being sure, but I think the .us... Uh, TLD became a global one, actually. Oh, okay. So it's like .co as well. I think it was in another country or whatever. Yeah, so there is a bunch that were national ones and became recently became international yeah, ones. .tv was like some Pacific island, I think. Exactly. Uh, and now uh, it's like a general one. Yeah. So, so there's been a bunch of changes. I think it's like a year and a half ago or something that these things have changed. At the same time, as they introduced all these crazy TLDs, you know, like you have like .new York and .everything. Like there's some weird ones now. .guru as well exists now. Like, And all of these are international ones. Obviously, the problem with these is not Google. The problem is people remembering. It's like people just think website equals .com, right? Or like .co.uk if you're in the UK or whatever. But, uh, you know, if you have a weird TLD, like Genius, I guarantee you many people type Genius.com. Yeah. And I don't know if they own the domain. Maybe they do. Like a lot of people, you know, they start a startup with a weird domain like that. And then they buy the the dot com later. But like, yeah, if you go on genius.com, it's I just checked, they don't. It's yeah, like, it's literally another site, and uh, that's costing them traffic. So that's why we don't recommend you you don't buy a dot com. Yeah. So that's it. All right, I think that answers the question then. All right, cool. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. We'll not skip next week, I promise. Otherwise, Mark is gonna pay money to a charity here. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.